Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, welcome into the Strike Zone as a part of Sports Open Line here on a Wednesday night. Obviously, tomorrow the Cardinals open up a series against the Milwaukee Brewers. Is that kind of important, right? And, you know, it's the team in first place. If you have a bad weekend, you could be way out. I mean, way out, relatively speaking. We're only a quarter of the way through the season. So, But if you have a great weekend, you could be in first place. I wouldn't. I mean, you have to sweep to do that. So it's probably asking a lot. But still, it's a it's an important weekend against your top division rival. Nobody else in the division is going to make any noise this year. I think we've already um, we we talked about that preseason, and to this point, nothing has changed our minds about that. Um, the Cubs are are uh, already six games under five hundred. The Pirates are uh, seven games under five hundred. The Reds are eighteen games under five hundred. So there's no further threat from anybody in the division. It's it's those two. And by the way, before we get into the, the main topics I want to touch on with the Cardinals, will be the rotation, especially Jordan Hicks's place in it, and then you know the lineup and where it kind of goes from here. You're the number two wild card team in the National League. You know, I mean, you're you're, you're going to have seven teams in each league in the playoffs. Um, and I, and I don't, I don't think this is going to be particularly tight by the end of the year. You know, if you look at the teams that you're dealing with in the wild card race right now, the Padres are the number one wild card team in the national league. Uh, they are, I believe four games better than you. Uh, you're tied with the San Francisco giants and you're a couple of games ahead of the Arizona diamondbacks. And after that, Everybody else is a losing team right now. The Phillies are a losing team. The Braves are a losing team. Now, I think the Phillies and Braves have a chance to be be teams that can come back and, you know, play well from here on out. Again, we're only a quarter of a way through the season. But I don't think that the wild card is really the goal, right? It's not what we're we're talking about. It's not what we're targeting. You know, the 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 way the Cardinals are set up with reasonably good health, and I don't even mean perfect, I mean just reasonably good health, they should be able to win the division. Now, they haven't had the good fortune to have their most talented starting pitcher in the rotation. And look, I know that we're all kind of hoping that Flaherty's going to be back soon. And, you know, when he's back, he stays back and he's Jack Flaherty. But that's that's probably, a not probably, that's that's an uncertainty at this point. Anytime you're dealing with shoulders, it's going to be a bit of an uncertainty or anything in that shoulder, that anything that impacts the shoulder. And I think that's, you know, when, when I look at the team moving down the line, I mean, you know, there, there are some things that have gone on this year that are making the, all the difference in the world, right? You know, the fact that, you know, Goldschmidt and Arenado have put up the kind of numbers you need from them has been critical in all of this. You know, I mean, th- those two guys have been everything that you need them to be. And if you don't have them at the level they've been, I mean, think about how good Paul Goldschmidt is right now and how big those numbers are. 
I mean, it, it really is like what he's doing is stunning. He, he's arguably the best hitter in the National League for the first two months of the season. And that's crazy to say that because Arenado was the best hitter in the league in the first month. And Goldie's on pace to be the 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 player of the month in the National League for, for the month of May, assuming, you know, he doesn't slide down the list a little bit. And what is happening here? <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking at the, the I, I pulled up the what do you call it, the team's stats for uh you know on ESPN.com and it shows Paul Goldschmidt with four at bats. <laughs> and Arenado with four at bats. Like uh, I know that's not right. Thank you, ESPN.com, for being so useful. Um, but you, you have two guys producing big numbers, and the rest of the lineup has been really inconsistent. They've been hit or miss. Sorry, I don't mean to make, I don't mean to you know pun, pull off the pun there, but they've been hit or miss everywhere else. Sometimes you gotten you know con- good stuff. Sometimes it's not so good. And what I think is going to be fun when we talk about the lineup later is. Where is this headed offensively? Because Donovan and Yepes and Gorman, those guys have all made contributions. I mean, Yepes has been really, really good. Donovan's been phenomenal moving all around the field, getting on base nearly 50% of the time. Now, the problem is that's not likely to continue. He's not going to be a 47% on base guy. So... What happens to the team as that starts to slow? That's really the question. Well, of course, what it means is you're going to need um, Tyler O'Neill to come back and be Tyler O'Neill, not be the guy that we saw the first 25, 26 games of the year. So I want to get a little bit more into that later on this hour. Next up, I want to talk about Jordan Hicks. Uh, and I'm going to play, you know, as a part of talking about Hicks, I want to play a little bit of what Oliver Marmol said about him. Um, you know, I think with with two of your rotation spots, you're getting what you need. You're, I mean, Miles Michaelis has been phenomenal. You know, 196 ERA, fielding independence really good. Um, he's, he's nine starts. He's gone 55 innings, so he's given you plenty of innings. Wayno's right there, kind of where you want him to be, six innings per start. You know, 287 ERA. He's been really good. Hudson's kind of on the edge. You know, that 360 ERA looks okay, but his fielding independent is 490. So obviously he's helped by the defense, which is going to be the case, by the way, for a sinker baller. But the 40 innings and eight starts is not good enough. You're going to need him to be more than a five inning per start guy. And then with Steven Matz, again, there have been times he's been brilliant. There have been times he's been awful. I know he's on the injured list now, so he's not really a part of the a part of the, the short-term discussion. But you need more innings out of him, man. In nine starts, he's only gone 37, 37 innings. He's going four, four innings to start. That's not sustainable. And it's been, it's been even worse for Jordan Hicks. So let's address Hicks because there's nothing to address with Matt's right now because he's on the injured list. Let's address this with Hicks. I'm going to play a couple of things that that Oliver Marmel had to say about that last night, and then we're going to talk a bit about options, how much more patience can you have. I mean, when a guy's allowed 40 base runners in 28 innings and he's got a 5 ERA, at what point do we have to say, all right, we tried this enough, it ain't working? 
Maybe it's not yet, but I mean, it's 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 coming. We'll we'll play a couple of clips from Oliver Marmel, and we'll talk a bit about that spot in the rotation next on KMOX. All right, back in on uh, KMOX. Obviously, you got the strike zone working tonight as part of Sports Open Line. It's time for Building the Future, sponsored by Gray Bar Electric, headquartered in St. Louis. A great place to work. All right, so talking about the future of the starting rotation here. Uh, and I want to play about a minute of what Oliver Marmel had to say last night following Jordan Hicks outing. Now, Jordan Hicks allowed 10 base runners in three innings, five walks, five hits, second straight start where command of the fastball was a significant problem. And, you know, again, we are, we're not so late in the season where we have to panic and the team doesn't need to make panic moves, but it's not a panic move when you're allowing that many base runners. It's not a panic move when you're not getting deep enough into games, when you're only going three and four innings. Because, you know, we, as we saw last year, and the Cardinals learned this the hard way last year, you can't live that way. If you're not getting the innings from the starters, you're going to burn out the bullpen. So, you know, like, again, we're, we're basically a quarter of the way through the season. We've already had... 20 appearances from Nick Whitgren. You're going to have him run, you're going to run him out there 80 times. Now, it's not as bad with some of the others, but you know, you you want to make sure that you're not going to run your main guys into the ground. And we've already seen it here. The last week they've had to dance around what's available, you know, like, well, we got three guys that aren't available today, so we're going to have to get by with the three that we do have and you can't you don't want to be playing that dance all season long. You need some more the depth from your starting pitching. And you're going to need that from Steven Matz when he comes back. I mean, that's a th- you know, he, what he was giving you in terms of of innings was not enough. Oh, I mean, his good ones were plenty, but there weren't enough of the good ones. There were too many clunkers where you're going three or four innings. Anyway, let, let's focus on the Jordan Hicks part of this because as we know, minus the Flaherty injury, Jordan Hicks wouldn't be in the rotation. He would be working as a relief pitcher. He's in there because the hope was that, you know, the 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 buildup between starts, the ability to throw bullpens, all of that stuff would be better for the health of his arm, would be better, um, maybe even better for his pitching ability because he'd be able to throw those bullpens regularly and work on things and do the things you can't necessarily do when you're a reliever because you don't know when you're going to be needed. But we're not really making progress there. And that's something that that Marmel addressed last night after the outing is kind of what your reaction is to what you saw last night. This is kind of how it was presented to him. And then what does it mean? I mean, is this something that's going to be under evaluation? So here's uh, what Oliver Marmel had to say about Hicks' performance last night and what the team is going to have to do here in the not-too-distant future. A lot of walks. Um, at the end of the day, you can't go out there every five days and – not attack the strike zone and have command of your fastball. No, we had no choice. I mean, uh, our hope going into that game was that he was able to attack the strike zone, let his stuff play, and uh, go deep. Um, that wasn't possible with five walks. It's a good question, and one we'll uh, evaluate because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we're uh, competing and you, you get on a little bit of a roll and you start winning some games. You want guys to go out there and, and give you a shot. Um, today, I think... Uh, a combination of not commanding his pitches and just the overall pace at which we operated at made it uh, made it difficult. So we'll we'll evaluate that and see what makes sense moving forward. 
I mean, we've been patient up to this point. And uh, at some point, it's very difficult on your bullpen, especially when you have multiple starters um, giving you four innings and five innings at a time, um, sometimes less than that. So uh, we'll, we'll take a deep look at it. We have a day off tomorrow. We'll be able to kind of reevaluate where we're at and what we need and then make decisions going forward. So the, the decisions are going to be essentially, right, who stays in the rotation, who comes out, and then who would replace them. So let's say you take Jordan Hicks out of the rotation. Who's taking that spot? Because Matthew Libertor is already in the Steven Matt spot because Matt's is on the injured list. So there's an answer for that spot at the moment. So who, who gets that next one? And I doubt it's Verhagen. He's thrown 12 innings in seven outings so far. He's not built up. It would have to be somebody coming up from Memphis. Could be It could be Angel Rondon. Uh, he threw really well the other day, and he, he's pitched well at Memphis, and could, you know, so and he's on the roster, so it could be him. Uh, it could be someone like Zach Thompson, who's had a much better year uh, this year when it comes to throwing strikes, and you know, it's made him a much more, you know, much more the guy they thought they were getting when they took him in the first round. Honestly, it's probably you know the guy that's the right answer is Jake Woodford. But they got to get him built up to the point where he's not coming up and just giving you three innings. And and I don't I don't understand I'm, I'm not, I didn't really understand the whole usage of Jake Woodford thing. I didn't I, I'm not sure what he hasn't shown to get an opportunity. But I mean, he didn't pitch a whole lot when he was here. Now he's down at Memphis, and he is starting down there. So you're trying to build up those innings. And that's I mean that's the idea. I, I think that if they pull Hicks from the rotation. Woodford is the likely guy to replace him. And you know what? I mean, look, Woodford's a starter. He's been a starter his whole career. He's got a starter's repertoire. He's shown in the past, both in the minors and the majors, that he can be the guy that can get you starter's workload. Because like we said, you know, as we talked about last year so often, you know, the the four-inning thing doesn't work. We saw it with Gant. We saw it with Ponce. We saw it with uh, Oviedo when he pitched. You're not going to survive that way. Not well. You know, they they didn't survive until later in the year when they got guys that were doing more than that, right? Even guys that weren't great, you know, Lester and Happ, and uh, for the short time that, that Wade LeBlanc was healthy, you know, those guys came in and at least gave you the five or six, and then that allows you to kind of catch up. But if you look at the rotation from last year, you know, Oviedo's numbers last year, we're about the same as Jordan Hicks' numbers are right now. And I didn't, and none of us were all that thrilled with what Oviedo was bringing to the table, and eventually he got, you know, he, he just was optioned down and stayed down. Now, in fairness to Oviedo, I mean, he was called up before he was ready. They just didn't, they had, they needed him, and he's obviously a guy with talent. But you're, you're, you know, they're, it's interesting to hear Marmol already talking about the urgency of this because you can see we can all see on a day to day on a day to day basis what it does to the bullpen when these guys aren't going deep and it can't be on Wainwright every time. I mean, he typically has done the job these last couple of years and he's doing it now. And thankfully, Michaelis is healthy because he's been. I mean, his performance has been phenomenal, and without him giving you. You know, the the six innings, seven innings out almost every time. You know, where would you be in that case? But they're going to need more from Dakota Hudson moving forward in terms of innings. Obviously, when Matt's is healthy, they're going to need more from him. But right now, it sounds like the evaluation is of Jordan Hicks. 
And here's the thing. It's not going in the right direction. When you look at the trajectory of Jordan Hicks, early on, we knew. You weren't going to see five innings, six innings. Nobody was complaining about that. We all knew that it was going to be okay. It's going to be a couple, and we're going to gradually build from there. And that's what it was. You know, it was two, two, three, two. And then it went to three and a third and four and a third and five and four and three. See, you you started to go up, and now you're coming back down, and it's because of the pitch counts. You know, 82 pitches in four innings is a lot. 78 pitches in three innings is super bad. Not the movie. It's just super bad. That Again, not, not sustainable. So 16 earned runs so far in nine starts. It's just, it's too many. And when you look at it like this month of May, You've given up at least two earned run, two, at least two runs in every game, three and another, three and one, four and another, but at least two runs in every game, and you're averaging less than four innings per start. And I know everybody loves the arm and you know the velocity and all of that, but you know you listen to that those comments from from Oliver Marmel. And you're you're listening. To, he's talking about, um, you know, just throwing strikes, commanding the ball in zone. I mean, think of it this way. Okay, this is really kind of. I'm not trying to get too nerdy, but I'm going to give you a couple things. So, basically, nobody has a better fastball than Jordan Hicks on average, right? His average fastball velocity is in the top one percent in Major League Baseball. So there might be a few guys whose fastball on average is better. His fastball is 99 miles an hour on average. His sinker. He has one of the worst chase rates in baseball. Nobody chases outside the zone against Jordan Hicks. When you throw 100 miles an hour and actually have what could be a workable breaking ball, how are you not getting any chases at all? Well, I'll tell you how. Because you miss too big. You're making non-competitive pitches. And if it's not close, major league hitters are just going to spit on it. It's got to be a competitive pitch. And, by the way, they're not going to chase out of the zone when they're ahead in the count. So if you're constantly behind, they're constantly staying over the plate because they don't have to push the limits. They don't have to expand their zone. Well, when you're when you look at the, I mean, you look at this. I mean, you're seeing a guy that's throwing twenty plus pitches an inning, which is just I mean, as a starter that you again you can't live that way. You know, opponents are only hitting a buck eleven against his slider. They're only, I mean, like they're only slugging three oh six against it. Like they're not hitting it at all. But you, when you're when you're when you can't pitch when you can't use that as much when you can't get swings and misses on a pitch that good because you're always behind and you can't command the fastball. It's tough, man. I mean, it's crazy to look at it, but Hicks doesn't get very many swings and misses. And again, part of it is they can wait until the ball's in the middle of the zone before they even have to swing. 
So, yeah, I think they are getting to decision time there. He's nine starts in. Ten starts will be the next one. Ten starts is roughly a third of a season. And if we don't start to see progress in the next start, they might have to make a move. And who knows? They might even decide they have to make a move before that. All right, let's talk offense when we come back. Again, the offensive numbers on the surface look good, but it's been the inconsistency. So what can we expect as we continue to move this forward from the guys that you currently have? Can the kids keep it up is part of that question. We'll get to that next on KMOX. All right, I want to talk offense for a second, but uh, sometimes you see things on Twitter and you're like, um, I number one, I have to mention that. Two, you just... What? Right, this is from, I just saw this tweet, and it's from IGN, which is uh, entertainment company. They they review video games, movies, TV shows, comics, like all that. Apparently, there's a new movie coming out. I don't know when. I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time even reading this because it's ridiculous. It's called Winnie the Pooh. Blood and Honey, and it's a horror story about Winnie the Pooh. So this is not a Disney thing. Apparently, the story of Winnie the Pooh came into the public domain this year, which means anybody can do anything they want with it. It's kind of like, um, you know, the old, uh, what do you call those, like old Mother Hubbard. It's like all the old fables and all like Those things are all like public domain. You can do whatever you want with them. Why? <laughs> Why? Why did I have to see that? I, I don't I don't like Winnie the Pooh when it's a friendly little bear. I don't need to see. Like, there's just zero chance that that's going to be good. Anyway, I thought you should all share in the suffering that I, I am because I saw that. And again, I, I'm not squeamish at all. I like horror movies. It's just such a horrible, dumb thing. And I'm not a like I don't I didn't like have a childhood thing. In fact, I've always hated the Winnie the Pooh ones. I always they always annoyed me. I don't like anybody in there. I didn't like any characters. Like, Winnie the Pooh, you're boring. It was boring. That's it. As a kid, it was just boring. It's like, okay, guys. It's like, it was nothing was fun. Nothing was funny. It was just duh. Maybe this will be good then. Maybe if I'm a hater, maybe it actually will be funny because, you know, you got Winnie the Pooh, I guess, as a serial killer or something. I don't know. It's a horror movie, though. So there you go. Anyway, I want to talk offense. Sorry for the distraction. Um, Here's my one of my questions. Like one, one of the, the the big problem that we've talked about with the Cardinals' offense has been consistency, right? It's been too much all or nothing. Too many games where you know it's either completely on or completely off. And you know we started to see this week what seemed like a little bit more. Um, hopefully consistency. You scored five and then five and then 18 and then seven and then one. Now, in fairness, you know, look, pitching has something to do with it. I mean, Kevin Gossman has been one of the toughest pitchers in baseball the last couple of years. Uh, but you know what? Jose Barrios is good. And you put up a seven spot in the game that he started. Most of that came on the bull and I shouldn't say most of it, but a bunch of that came in the bull on the bullpen late. Four of those runs came on the last swing of the game in the 10th inning, the grand slam by Paul Goldschmidt. But you were able to put up three runs against the, you know, against the Pirates before that swing. And on a day that Barrios pitches, that's that's not a terrible thing. But it's just been too much hit or miss. It's been too much, you know, feast or famine. Pick your cliche. So what can we what can we look at that would make us think that consistency may be coming? And that's the part that I'm really interested in. So when we look at the lineup, 
the catcher spot, I think, is what it is. You know, I think Yachty will be better than what his season totals say right now. But we know that Molina's not at a stage where he's going to be a major offensive contributor. I'll say this. I thought I think Kisner's done a nice job. Kisner is actually 14% above major league average offensively this year. That's, I mean, you know, on base percentage is 364, which is, again, that's great. So for a guy that's basically a part-time catcher, you're actually getting pretty good, pretty good offense when he plays. Paul Goldschmidt has been ridiculous, right? He's 87% better than the league average hitter. He's got a 986 OPS. He's hitting 344, four, on bases 400. Slug is near 600. But let's be honest, that's not that's probably not sustainable. That's not a pace that he's going to be able to keep up the entire season. Just like what Arenado did in April was not sustainable. As good as those players are, they're just not that. I mean, you know, Goldie hasn't had an OPS this high for a full season since 2015. And keep in mind, that was partly because you're playing in Arizona, which is a launching pad. Now, we know that he's an elite hitter. I mean, you saw the numbers that he put up last year. Paul Goldschmidt's a phenomenal hitter. But he's not what he's been this month. That's going to calm down. We've seen Tommy Edmond calm down a little bit, right? You know, what Tommy Edmond was in the first month of the season was, wow, on-base percentage is up. He's hitting over 300. Now, I will say this. His his on-base ability has gotten better I know it's only a quarter of the season, but, you know, he's on pace to obliterate what he did last year in terms of drawing walks. He drew 38 walks all of last year. That was in 159 games, 641 at-bats, 691 plate appearances. He's already got 19 walks this year, so he's at half that, but he's half that quarter of the way through the year. So Edmund has made a major step in that regard, and the question is, again, is that particular gain, is that something that's going to last? Is that sustainable? I keep saying that word. Because I think that's the question uh, with with a couple of these guys. It's not a matter of whether they're good players. I mean, Tommy Edmund's a phenomenal player, but is he is he going to be able to do this for a full season? So you look at his April versus May splits. May looks more like what his offense did in the past. But again, the ability to draw walks and get on base via the free pass has not changed from April to May. So maybe that improvement is a real one. I hope it is because that would be a phenomenal sign for him. So at shortstop, I don't know that we uh, that we really have a good idea because you know right now the shortstop is Tommy Edmond and it can be Donovan on given days. It could be Sosa on some days, but Tommy Edmond is basically the shortstop right now. So you know we're talking a bit about that offense. The question for him will be: Is he is he able to give you what you need there defensively? I think he'll be okay. So what are we going to get at second base with Tommy Edmond playing shortstop? Well, again, I, it's an unknown at the moment. Nolan Gorman's going to play there as long as he's here. If he's if he's here, he's going to play regularly at second base. And, you know, so far, it's not much to evaluate. It's 20 plate appearances. He's done all right. He's hit the ball hard. 
You know, he's, I mean, you know, he, he, so far he's five for 17 with a couple of doubles and three walks. Struck out five times in 20 plate appearances. That's not terrible. I mean, it's not, it's not something you're like, that's amazing. It's, it's 25%, but it's a, only a little bit worse than major league average. Like major league average is around 22, 23%. So it's that, that's not anything that would be concerning at all, but it's such a small number of plate appearances. You can't possibly be, um, you can't, we can't possibly think that we've learned anything from that, but he is hitting the ball hard. But again, small sample size and all that, but he's hitting the ball much harder than the major league average. So some good signs there, but it's unknown. Nolan Arenado's unknown. You know what he's going to be. I mean, you know, his numbers now could be what they look like at the end of the year. You know, the May and April balancing each other because April was ridiculous and he struggled in May, but he's at an 895 OPS right now. I mean, I could see that. You know, it was a little lower than that last year, could be a bit lower than that last year. I think he's a better player than what we a better hitter than what we saw last year. And he's made some adjustments and done some work in the offseason. But I, I think we know that. And then we get to the outfield. And again, it seems like it always comes to the outfield. Because last year when the outfield was healthy, the offense started to move. And obviously, Tyler O'Neill wasn't just healthy. He was a monster. And Harrison Bader was solid. And Dylan Carlson, was, for, especially for a rookie, was very solid. Now, I'll tell you this. Harrison Bader's offense has been fine. You wouldn't think that because you're going to look at it and you'd be like, he's hitting 246. That's not fine. Okay, I understand, but you have to put it in the context of the league in 2022. He's pretty close to a league average hitter right now. I think he's got a chance to be better than that. But if that player is league average offensively with the elite center field defense and the fact that he's got 11 stolen bases and is one of the best base runners out there, He's still a good player. He's still a useful player. You're not counting on him to be an elite offensive performer. But you do need Tyler O'Neill to be that. And you need Dylan Carlson to improve. Now, again, May has been good for him. April was terrible. And he's getting closer to being a league average player now. But you need him to be good. I think Albert has been everything you would have hoped he would be. He's not hitting righties very well, but we knew that but he's destroying lefties. And then he's occasionally contributing against righties, but lefties, he's doing the damage that you want. It's not quite to the point where we can count Juan Yepes as a certainty. Same thing for Brendan Donovan, but man, they've been up. And ever since they've been up, they've contributed. I mean, those guys have both been up 24, 25 games and they've continuously and consistently giving you production. Yeah, there might be a game or two here and there where they don't do much. But, you know, after that game or two, they're right back to producing. They're right back to getting on base. You know, Yepes has shown power. Four home runs already and 73 at-bats. That's pretty good. Um, he's driving in runs. He's drawing his walks. I do think this lineup is going to keep getting better. I don't think every guy is going to keep getting better. But I think this lineup is going to keep getting more consistent. They have a lot of really nice pieces in place right now. With Again, with, with Yepes doing his thing and Ben Donovan contributing, Gorman here now. I don't know that they're all going to be consistent, but when they start to fall off, the hope is that O'Neal comes back and he can pick it up. That Carlson comes back and he can pick up where he left off. They have enough pieces. Can you remain reasonably consistent? That is the question. And I think that the offense is going to keep getting better. 
I don't think it's an elite offense, but I do think it's going to be good the rest of the way. And we'll just have to wait and see. All right, hang tight. We'll get you ready for this Milwaukee series that starts up tomorrow when we come back here on KMOX. It's always a baseball-heavy show, and we've been baseball-heavy here. Uh, I'm going to do What's on Deck, sponsored by Chesterfield Fence and Deck. You can find them at chesterfieldfence.com. Now, the real What's on Deck is going to be the Cardinals-Brewers in a second here, but really what's on deck is the car- is the Blues offseason. <laughs> first period has not gone well. Uh, they're at the first intermission in Colorado, and Colorado's up 2 nothing. The Blues, I, I mean, I, I'm not watching it intently because I'm doing a radio show, but during the breaks we have it on, and I can see it out of the corner of my eye. And uh, they're not really controlling much of the play. <laughs> it's not it's not going the way you wanted it to go. The abs are really, really moving, um, and they're going to come back on the power play for the first, like, minute or so of the second period. So uh, that's what's on deck for the Blues. Uh, let's talk about what's on deck for the Cardinals. The Cardinals have Milwaukee coming in for a four-game series. And, look, it, it's not critical. You know, it, it's too early to be that. It's a quarter of the way through the season. But it is It is always important. This is, I mean, this is a team that you're battling. I think your, your, your idea here is you want to beat them out for the division title. I mean, that's the point. And I'll be interested to see what they do with the rotation here. They haven't announced their starters for Friday, Saturday, or Sunday yet. The Cardinals haven't. Uh, you've got Wayno tomorrow night, and he'll be going up against the lefty Eric Lauer. Now, I would say this. The day that Wayno starts against a lefty is a day you need to win because the Cardinals hammer lefties for the most part. Now, Lauer's pretty good. He's got 216 ERA. But so Carlos Rodon, Rodon is pretty good, too, and they destroyed him when they faced the Giants. I think the lefty matchup's good. After that... You're going to get Brandon Woodruff in game two. You're going to get Adrian Hauser in game three. And the Brewers have not announced a starter yet for for Sunday for game four of the series. So, you know, we'll see what that ends up being. I mean, we know that, you know, that Burns and, and Peralta are in the rotation. So I don't know if they're trying to move anybody back. And I haven't, I haven't checked yet. I'll do this tomorrow, but I haven't checked yet when the last time those guys pitched was. So, you know, maybe it's right on schedule for Sunday and they just haven't done it yet. And the Cardinals haven't decided. But obviously, Miles Michaelis is going to pitch one of these games. Dakota Hudson's going to pitch another one of these games. And I guess the question is, you know, is Libertor? I mean, he's in line. I mean, Libertor, if you looked at it, it would be Wayno, Michaelis, Hudson, Libertor, basically. I don't remember if it'd be exactly in that order. But those would be the guys that are currently lining up. And I'd have to double-check it. In fact, I'm, I'm going to double-check it because... Um, it would make it a little easier. So the way it would play if they just follow what they've been doing in the rotation recently would be Hudson Friday against Woodruff and then Liberator Saturday and Michaelis on Sunday if they just stuck with the order that they've gone. And I'd say that's probably the way that they're going to end up going unless there's something among, in all of this that we don't think of. On Monday, though, for Memorial Day, Jordan Hicks is ready to start. Does he actually make that start, or do they look another way? That's something we'll be following over the next couple of days. You guys have yourselves a great evening. We'll catch you tomorrow on the Cardinals pregame. Actually, I'm going to catch you here in a few minutes. My buddy Greg Damon's got at your service. We'll talk to him for a few minutes after the news on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.